So the question I want to start off asking is this. What do you want? If you could have anything, if you could have anything, anything that you wanted, what would you ask for? I mean, what at your core do you really, really want? And when you ask people this, I'll tell you what you want. Ask people this, everybody says the same thing. I just want to be happy. I just want to be at rest. I just want to be at peace. I just want to know everything is going to be okay. I just want to be content, and I want all those things. I want all of those things for the ones that I love. I want the people that I love to be happy. Do you know that when the Bible uses the word having, when it uses the word life, to have life, you know what it's talking about? It's talking about having all of those things, to have the happiness that you long for, peace, satisfaction, to know everything's going to be okay. That's what the Bible means when the Bible says life and having life in his name. And here's what you need to know today. The good life, the kingdom life, it is fighting its way into your heart, and it's fighting its way into our world. And here's the way that it comes in. Through your belief. The good life, the life you long for, happiness comes in through your belief. John wrote this book. We've been walking through the book of John for a year and a half now. We've divided it up into six series. Our series now is The New Day. And John's saying today, I have written this whole thing so that you might believe and then have this life that you long for. He's saying, I have written this so that the, you might believe in Jesus and the good life might be ushered in. And do you know, all of the disciples, they died so that you might believe and have the good life ushered in. And martyrs throughout the history of the world have died so that you might believe and have the good life ushered in. And there are people dying today so that people might believe this truth about Jesus. They might believe in him and then have this life that they long for, this happiness, this peace, this satisfaction. Today, John wants to help us believe so that we might have this life that we long for. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at what it means to believe. We're going to look at the three, there's three parts of belief that we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the necessity of belief, the object of belief, and then the result of belief. So the necessity, the object, and the result of belief. So in the necessity of belief, John is saying to get the life that you long for, believe in the resurrected Christ. But listen, this whole resurrection thing, it causes a bit of a problem for us because we say, okay, I could believe or I could believe more. If I could just see Jesus risen, like if I could physically see him risen, then I could believe. If I could have what Thomas had when he says, I'm doubting, but I need to see him, I need to touch him. If I could have that, then I would believe. But here's the problem. We don't have that luxury. We don't have the luxury that Thomas had of where we get to see the resurrected Christ. But that being the case, we still have to make a decision about what we're going to make of Jesus. 
Here's the thing. To be human is to believe in something. We, have, we, are, we are wired in such a way that we will believe in something. To exist is to believe. So if you decide negative about Jesus, that is a belief. If you decide positive about Jesus, that is a belief. So what I'd like you to consider today is that the most important decision that you will ever make is what you make of Jesus. It shifts your eternal trajectory. And I want you to just think about your life for a moment. So your life is going by and you've got all these decisions every single day that you're making and you're pouring all this time and all this energy into these decisions that you've got to make. Meanwhile, the most important decision about the person you should be making about, he's being put on the back burner. Here's the thing, to, we either believe in him or we reject him. And if you put, put him on the back burner, that actually is a rejection of him. If to hold off on believing in him is a rejection of him, and here's why I say that, because he comes into the world and he makes this grand claim that he is the most important fact in human history. And he says, what will you make of me? And so, to not make a decision is to reject his claim that he is the most important, most important fact in human history. Because if the most important fact in human history is right in front of your face, and you can't make a decision about him, that is a rejection of him. So here, here's what John is saying. We're chasing happiness. We're chasing peace. We're chasing rest. We're chasing knowing that everything's going to be okay. We're chasing contentment. He's saying we're chasing it, and we're going to believe in something that's going to get us that. We're all believing in something to give us happiness. We believe, we trust in something to give us peace and rest. We can't escape it. This is a necessity. All of us want happiness. And all of us are trusting and believing in something to get it. What is it that you are trusting in? John is writing this book to show you, to he's pleading with you to realize that everything is going to fall short of Christ. Today, you've got to make a decision about what you think makes you the most happy. That's the challenge that John's giving us. You think of it like this. You think of a king. So you meet this king, and he says, I've got this land. Everything is right in this land. This is a land of complete peace and grace and happiness. Come with me, but you've got to come now. I'm leaving now. Come with me. And you say, oh, hold on. There's a few things I want to do first. Because I know that you're requiring a lot of me. So there's a few things that I want to do before I come to you. So let me go do this. And let me go do that first. And let me just hold on. Could you come back in a few years? And the king says, no, you have to come now. I'm leaving now. And we're doing this all the time with Christ. That's what the disciples, that the disciples, some of the disciples said, Jesus, can we just go do this first before we follow you? He says, no, come now, now we saw this two weeks ago. Jesus meets us where we are. He waits for us. He seeks us out. Yet at the same time, after he's done that, he says, okay, come on. We got to go now. Follow me. In one sense, he's saying, I'm waiting for you. In another sense, he's saying, let's go. Follow me now. 
All right, so if you're a Christian, let me just talk to you real quick here. How, the question we've got to ask is this. How much are we putting Jesus on the back burner? I mean, the question we've got to ask, okay, if, if the Bible is saying happiness is found in him, if we really believed that was true, I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to all of us, we would probably spend more, like be honest, we would probably spend more time in prayer, we probably spend more time searching out the scriptures. We probably spend more time with our friends saying, okay, what are we going to make of Jesus? Are we really following him like we're supposed to be following him? If we really believe that he was really the one who made us the most happy and brought us to happiness. Our happiness is in him but we aren't going to him like he's the one who makes us happy. We're going to other things like they can make us happier than he can. To be a Christian is to realize that he is the greatest delight of your heart, of your soul, of your mind. <laughs> You'll seek happiness forever, and you won't find it until you find him. Do we believe that's true, though? And if we really believed it is true, we have the people that we have in our lives and we want them to be happy. And if we're saying that Christ is the source of happiness and if we really believed that, then wouldn't we be pointing everybody around us to him? Wouldn't we be saying, go to him? So the, the picture we've been painting in this series, in the New Day, what we've been saying is that we are all like sailboats. And there is an island in the middle of the ocean, and this island represents paradise. It represents happiness. It represents where everything is right, rest, peace, contentment. So we're all these sailboats that long to get to this island, and there's the wind at our backs pushing us towards this island, and the wind is like the Spirit of God. But here's the thing. We are sailboats without a sail. And so what we do is we search for the sail that's going to get us to the island we long to be. And what Christianity is saying is that Christ is the only sail that will get you there. To be a Christian is to say Christ is the sail. Okay, so you, maybe you're saying right now, all right, David, fine. Uh, but I got to tell you, I'm a Christian and I'm not that happy. So what do I do with that? Well, two things. First, we're not there yet. We're not at the island. We're not in paradise. So we haven't arrived in the kingdom of God yet, and we are not fully with the king, but we are on our way there, and we're getting closer, and the closer that we're walking to Christ, the more we find happiness in him. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is this. We've got to ask ourselves, how much have you really made Christ your sail? How much have you made him your happiness, the one that you go to to get to this happiness? Have you, or have you ever really made him your sail? Or are you making him your sail every day? I want, I want us to realize something. We obey whatever we think will make us most happy. We obey the thing that we think will make us most happy. We're all longing for happiness. And so what we're doing is we're searching for the thing that will make us happy. And whatever we arrive at, that is what we obey. 
So that means if you want to know, like if you don't know right now what you, the object that you are going to to give you happiness, if you don't know what it is, here's what you got to do. You've got to ask yourself, what am I doing? And why am I doing the things that I am doing? And you trace that all the way back to the object that you believe will give you the happiness that you long for. You've got to follow the clues. And if you aren't obeying Christ, because we're going to obey something, if you aren't obeying him, that, that, all that means is that something else is your sale. And that's likely why you're struggling to find happiness. All right, so this is our second point. Something that we often do, we fail to measure the things that we are going to for happiness. So we fail to compare whatever we, the object that we are seeking happiness in, and Christ. So we fail to put, to weigh them. So right now, what I want to do is I just want to compare Christ with every other object that we might be going to for happiness, for trust. Trust that it's going to give us happiness and peace and rest. So what I want to do is put Christ on the scale with everything else. You know the scales that are like teeter-totters? Okay, so we're going to put Christ on and whatever else on. Now here's the thing. You know this word glory. Another way to understand glory is weightiness. So what, when you put something on these scales, whatever is weightier is more glorious. So, we're going to measure. Our text is saying, Jesus is the Messiah. Here's what that means. It means he's the rescuing coming king. The one who's rescuing us, who's rescuing the world. And he is the son of God. And it says every single miracle is proof that this is true. And then you say, okay, well, how can I trust? I wasn't there. How can I trust that these miracles really happened? I didn't see them. L listen, again, we don't have the luxury that they had. We aren't going to get to see the miracles physically that Jesus was doing because we weren't there and we aren't there. We have to rely on eyewitnesses. Okay, listen, listen, listen. So you're relying on eyewitnesses. You say, well, how can I trust the disciples? How can I trust these eyewitnesses? And all I would say is very quickly, the disciples would not die for a lie. They would not die because the cross is threatening them. Not just Jesus, but they are being threatened by the cross. So here's what happened. Ten disciples were told, you better stop saying these things about Jesus or we're going to give you what we gave him, the cross. Ten of the disciples are threatened with that. And they said, we cannot stop telling the world of this. And they were all hung on a cross. Nobody dies for a lie. And then you say, well, hold on. What about people in cults? They're dying for lies. Mm -mm. Very different. In a cult, people are dying for something that they are hoping for in the future. The disciples, it's different. The disciples have died for something that they saw in the past. They saw it with their eyes. They didn't hope for something in the future. They saw it right there in their eyes. And they died saying, Jesus is this long, listen, listen, listen to me. Jesus died for us. They're they all died saying Jesus is this long-awaited Messiah, this rescuing king who would come and die. But then, listen, John takes it even further. He says, not only is Jesus a king who died for you, 
but he's the son of God. He says, oh, hold on, Israel. Oh, hold on, world. This is God. Come. Broke through heaven to come and get you. He's the son of God. So, so my two sons, they're humans because I'm a human. Jesus is God because his father is God. So God himself, we're just comparing him with whatever you're putting your, your trust in to give you happiness. So God himself has come to rescue you out of the waters of death, bring you to the island of happiness. And when you get to this island, here's what you realize. Oh, this island is happiness and peace and contentment because he is here with me, because he is more glorious than anything else. Pursue happiness without God, and you will not find it. Pursue God, and you will find yourself stumbling into happiness, like a shocking amount of happiness. See, the thing, here's the problem. He is outside of this world, so we can't find him. We can't know him, so he breaks in. And once you know him, you have begun your journey towards happiness because you have put him up as your sail and he is taking you there. But here's the thing about becoming a Christian. You want to become a Christian? You want to grow as a Christian? Whatever. Listen, here's the thing about it. It's the riskiest thing that you will ever do. You can try other stuff out, but you can't try out Jesus. Why? Because he is more glorious than anything else. That makes sense. Listen, the more glorious something is, the harder it is to get out of it. So you think about a hole in the ground. If there's a little hole, you could jump in, you could probably climb out. But if there's a glorious hole, like the biggest hole there's ever been, and it's wide and it's deep, you jump in, you're not getting out of it. You find the most glorious mountain and you're plopped up on the top of it, you're not getting off of it. So Jesus, being the most glorious, you see him and you say, oh my gosh, if I go all in with him, I can't get out, but I can do nothing but go all in. So I either have to reject him or I have to go all in with him because I know if I go all in, I'm not getting out because that is how glorious he is. So we hesitate. And it's one of the most harmful things we could be doing to ourselves. He's the mountain you don't want to get off of. And he is the hole in the ground that you want to stay there forever because the treasures of all the earth, the riches of grace are there with you. And he's there with you and he's enough always, forever. But you look down at the hole and you say, ah, oh, that's too deep. I can't do this. I can't risk it all. So we go and we find other holes that we think, or we find other things, other objects that are, that are less glorious, but they're never going to satisfy us like him. We will be bored by them. So remember, we're like sailboats. We've got our eyes set on, the, on paradise, the place that's going to be restful and content and it's going to bring us the happiness we long for. And so we want to set our sail there. And so here's, I want to talk about three things that we do. Three ways 
that we devote our lives, listen, three ways that we devote our lives to pursuing happiness and failing to find it. Three huge mistakes that we make. So first mistake, we put our faith in ourselves over Christ. So remember, we're like these sailboats, and we see this island of happiness. And so what do we do? Well, we're a sailboat without a sail, so what do we do? Well, we paddle. And we paddle as hard as we can. We're relying on ourselves, but the current of this world is pulling us away. So here's what's happening. This is the things we say in our mind. Gosh, if I could just be good enough, God's going to love me and accept me. If I can work, I mean, I know I'm good, right? I know I'm good. By the way, no one ever says that they're bad. I mean, nobody really says that. It, I'm, if I could just be good, then God's going to love me and accept me. We're relying on ourselves to get there. All we got to do is put up the sail. The current of this world is pulling us. So, first mistake. We just get further and further and further away from happiness because we're trying to do it on our own. That's the first mistake. Second mistake is you give up on yourself and you just go with the current of the world. You feel like you are failing and so you just stop fighting the current and you embrace it. You know when we say, oh man, they're just throwing their life away. Maybe they're turning to drugs or they're turning to alcohol or something. Or saying, oh man, they're just throwing their life away. Listen, perhaps this person has tried desperately to do what people who have it all together are doing and they just realize they can't do it. The current of the world is too strong and so they just say, I can't do this. And so they, alcohol, alcohol is a depressant. It means it depresses reality. So, okay, I need a rest from all my burdens. So, alcohol. Or drugs. I just need an ecstasy. I just need this high that's going to give me this happiness. Because they've given up. This is not going to work. They cannot do it on their own. But I want us to consider this. Perhaps this person who's given up on themselves are actually closer to Christ than the one who seems to have it all together. Because the one who has it all together says, I don't need anybody. I can do this. But the person who said, I can't do this, they're ripe and ready some sail to get put up so they can find happiness. So they're looking not in themselves but in another. The person who has it all together says, ah, just get your life together and this is going to be better now. And the person who doesn't have it all together says, I tried. I can't do it. It's not working. The current of this world is too strong. It's pulling me away from my happiness that I'm chasing after and I can't get there. Or this person has said, I'm trying to get there, so I can't do it, so I'm going to rely on something else. And they pick anything. We can pick our kids as our sale. We can pick our spouses as our sale. We can pick sex and money. And here's what happens. If we make money the sale that's going to get us to happiness, and we can't get money, we steal it. If we make sex our happiness and we're not getting it, we turn to pornography, we turn to prostitute. I mean, just, this is what we do because we're so desperate for happiness. We're searching for it anywhere. All right, that's the second. Now, here's the third. So first, we rely on ourselves. Second, we give up on ourselves and we just pick something else, some object that will get us there. Here's the third. And the third is, hard, is harder. It's more complicated. Here's the third. Some people have realized that their paddling doesn't work. They don't want to turn 
to alcohol or drugs, so here's what they say. All right, I need a career. I need to chase success. And if I can make success the sale that's going to make me, if I can make my job the thing that's going to make me happy and I could paddle to along the way, then I'm going to get there. And so their identity is wrapped up in their career, their job. I mean, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking mostly to the men here. I mean, I want to tell you this. So, so we, our identity begins gets so wrapped up in our success that what we do is we neglect our family, we neglect our kids, and they are just need us, but yet we've just got our eyes on happiness. And gosh, if we could just be successful enough, we're going to get there. And we say, oh, I'm going to be with you, family, in just a minute. I just got to get to this island. And if I could just get there, then everything's going to be okay. But the problem is, We never arrive at the island, letting everybody in our lives down because we're chasing something that's not even there. It's never going to deliver. Okay, so bottom line, all these things fall short the glory of God who's come into the world, but not just not just the glory of God who's come into the world, but listen, the glory of God who's come to die for you, who's come to die on, his cr- on the cross with his arms spread to be the sail that takes us to the island that we long to be, this island of paradise. If you're a Christian and you want to be happy, fix your eyes on him. And if you're not a Christian and you want to be happy, jump in the hole with him. He's enough. Here's the, here's the real problem with all this. You won't know that he is your happiness until you jump in. But you don't want to jump in because you know if you jump in, you're not getting out. It feels way too risky. So you think, oh, maybe he'll make me happy, but I don't want to jump all the way in. And the thing is, if you don't jump all the way in, you don't actually get him because he's so glorious. You either jump all the way in or you say, this is too much for me. I can't do this. So we hesitate. Take the risk and jump all the way in. And whatever, whatever it is that you believe in that will give you happiness, that is what you're left with in the end. I mean, just think about it. You want to know your end. You want to know what you will become of and what will be your happiness. Here's what you have to do. Ask yourself, what is the most important thing in your life? That is what you're left with. Now, if it isn't eternal, how can it give you the eternal happiness you long for? And, and if, you ma- if you make yourself the most important person in your life, the most important thing in your life, I mean, I love you guys and you're beautiful, but you don't want to be left alone with yourself for eternity. I mean, I'm just saying, you are beautiful. Whatever you make your sale, that's what you get in the end. So have you heard of the 27 Club? The 27 Club is a list of famous people who have died at the age of 27. And here's what's happened with them. They chased fame, and they were successful enough to get it. 
and they got it. And they hated it because they thought that it would give them happiness and they chased it and chased it and chased it. And the chase actually gave them happiness because you think about it, okay, if, this, if fame is going to give me happiness, then the hope is always there. If I'm not famous yet, that means, well, I could be happy if I could just get there. So they hope and hope and hope and then they get it and then the bottom falls out. And so here's what happens. This list of 27, here's what's happened to them. They've died at the age of 27. And they've died from suicide or they've died from this life of reckless living because they finally found the thing that they thought was gonna make them happy and it didn't. And they said, well, what am I gonna do now? I have no idea, but this sucks. So I'm just gonna live this reckless life and then they died at the age of 27. Once we arrive at the thing we're chasing, it will always feel that way except for Christ. You just don't know it yet because you haven't got what you're chasing. The best thing that can happen to you is get what you're chasing so that you realize, ah, this isn't delivering. I need something more glorious. I need something better. In him is life. In him is happiness. In him is peace and rest and satisfaction. See, what we do is we make the mistake of we create our own little islands. And these little islands that we make are pitiful versions of what we think happiness is. We are totally settling for something. And what, what Christianity is thinking, trying to get you to do is say, you need to be more hedonistic. You need to pursue, you need to have this grand version of what happiness is. And if you will, you'll stop settling for everything else and finally arrive at Christ. What are you chasing? What is it promising? And do you think it's going to deliver for you? And listen, there's something that we can do too. We can ask God for happiness without seeking God. You might be here because you want to be happy. And you say, God could be a tool for me to get to happiness. Listen to this. God cannot give you happiness, peace, rest and satisfaction outside of himself. It does not exist. Your prayers for happiness and rest and peace, comfort, and all of those things for your family, those are prayers that are meant to lead you straight to Christ. And if you are going to him and you're going to God and you don't, you spend time with God and you spend time in his word and you don't feel more happy, you don't feel happier in him or more joyful in him, you don't feel more content in him, more satisfied in him, more rest in him, then it's likely you're not actually going to God, but you're going to a version of God that you've got in your mind of who he is, but it has nothing to do with who he really is. You say, okay, well, how do I know him? How do I know if I'm at the right God? Well, I will tell you, God has come for you. This is the God you fix your attention on, the God who's broken into history, the God who is broken into the world, the God who is glorious enough to create all of this, yet enters into his own creation, but doesn't just do it, doesn't just stop there, but says, hey, I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to give my life for sin. I'm going to give my life for death. 
and he goes into your own grave and then he punches a hole through your grave so that he can rise up out of it and bring you with him. Where is he taking you? Into his kingdom fully. Into paradise. Where the deepest desires of your heart, you've been suppressing them. He's saying, let them out and let them carry you straight to me. When you aren't happy, seek him, but seek happiness in him. When you aren't content, seek him, but seek contentment in him and peace and rest. Seek all of those things in him. He's, that is life, and he is stirring it up in you every single time you make him the most important thing in your life. You're at a crossroads. Every day you're at this crossroads. Pick him and risk jumping all the way. All the way in. That's the only way you're going to taste the happiness you long for. Everything else will fall short. All right, let's pray. God, help us make sense of all this. God, we, we didn't maybe even think to seek happiness in you. We just thought that you gave us happiness outside of you. So God, we pray that we would understand what it means to seek you and to have happiness in you. God, don't let us miss what's happening here. And God, as we sing, let us sing knowing that our happiness comes nowhere but from you. And that by seeking happiness in you, we actually are able to enjoy the things in our life so much more. Because they no longer control us. They no longer have to, to deliver for us what they can't deliver. So now we can enjoy our spouse more. Now we can enjoy our kids more. Now we can enjoy our jobs more. Now we can enjoy our boat more. Now we can enjoy whatever else we have more. Because we have you. And you are enough. God, help us understand. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.